Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, welcome to another podcast. Today, I have a fertility awareness educator with us. Her name is Lisa Hendrickson Jack. And, um, Ooh, I can't quite remember how I reached out to you. I think I saw maybe, and she podcasts because Lisa also has an amazing podcast called, is it fertility Friday or Friday fertility? Fertility Friday. Fertility Friday. So we'll link to that and make sure everybody has access Um, So I think we met in a podcast group and I said to her, you know, one of the things I see many of us after abortion struggle with is how are we going to have safe sex, right? How, what is our birth control option? For a lot of us, um, there was a failed method of birth control. That's what led us to making the choices that we had to make. And so how do we feel safe? How do we feel secure? How do we feel confident? Um, in having like normal, healthy sexual relationships (laughs) after abortion. So she generously is giving us her time and I'm super excited to have this conversation. Well, thank you for having me here. Um, Such an important topic because unfortunately abortion is kind of a taboo, like not kind of, it's a super taboo topic to talk about. One that I haven't really talked about a ton on, um, on my podcast about, touched on it in one really powerful podcast. Mm. Um, oh, you'll have to send us a link so I can link that one up. Yeah, it was, a, I mean, for better or for worse, it was kind of linked together because I was speaking to um, a doula. There was a yes. word that she called herself, um, but how she guides her, guides women through this process. Yes. And it's obviously very difficult, but as you know, it comes with so much fear, especially because it's a, it can be very traumatic, so you don't want to have to go through it again. Um, and particularly for women who use non-hormonal methods, it becomes extremely important to gain that confidence that yeah. you can actually use the method correctly. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so as with other podcasts, I am going to start by reading something I wrote some of it will apply to our conversation, some might not, <laughs> and, uh, and then we'll talk. All right, so I know that some communities of women who have these things called period parties, it's after girls arrive at the gates of menstruation for the first time. It's an opportunity for women of all generations to come together and honor the life-giving force that is a menstruating woman. I'm not sure that there are very many young girls who look forward to these parties, but I like to think those girls will look back in appreciation of this rite of passage. When I first got my period, period parties were not a thing my family did. But the woman I I babysat for gave me a copy of the latest edition of Our Bodies, Ourselves, and it became my Bible. That big book survived all my moves, finding a new bookshelf at each evolution of my walk into adulthood. 29 years later, it's perched in my office, and I haven't cracked it open in years. Much of it is likely outdated, but it represents freedom for me, access to information that every woman deserves. 
Every time I got my period in the year following my abortion, I wanted to call all the women I knew and have a party. There was no follow through on this brilliant idea, but in my mind, it was a grand old time. Decorative pads and tampons dangling from the rafters, Bloody Marys, Beyonce on the speakers, red velvet cake, and of course, goodie bags with condoms, juicy romantic short stories, and sex toys. A spicy version of the red tent for modern day women. In an age of microtechnology, chemical engineering, and access to healing traditions from all around the globe, birth control options can still feel like a game of Russian roulette. Before an unplanned pregnancy, numbers like 98% effective feel like a walk in the park. But after unplanned pregnancy, it feels like an attack on sexual freedom. Many, um, maybe it's all simpler than we make it out to be. Maybe the only attack that's happening is in our thoughts. You can't trust your body. Menstrual cycles are complicated. Fertility is unpredictable. Thoughts that have been passed down to us in media and social programming all our lives. Thoughts that we are 100% in control of keeping or letting go. Maybe fertility is asking us to go inward, embrace our cycles, change our thoughts. I am in control of whether or not I get pregnant. My body is a temple and I decide who comes in and out. Fertility isn't complicated, it's a cycle and a skill. Fertility awareness is an opportunity. It invites us to understand when we can and cannot get pregnant, and it gives us the tools to understand our bodies in intimate and affirming ways. Fertility awareness empowers us to live as, the nat as naturally sexual beings we are without fear of the unknown. Fertility awareness is a vital part of reproductive freedom. Let's talk. Because <laughs> yeah. you, my friend, are the fertility awareness expert. So as we start the conversation, is there anything you feel called to start with? There is. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, I appreciate what you wrote, first of all. Thank you. And um, I, I can see why you choose to start the podcast in that way. It is, yeah. So the word that came to mind is control. Mm. And uh, so I'll share why that came up for me. Yeah. So years of teaching fertility awareness and using it, um, it's an interesting, so it might seem strange to say, but, you know, I've embraced that I don't control my body or my cycle. Fertility awareness is not about control. Mm. So I think I'll share my perspective from when I started using the method back when I was a late teenager. I was 18 years old or 19 years old or something like that. And so when you're using the standard birth control methods that are all outside of ourselves, the concept of those methods is that we are controlling our body. Mm. It is putting us in a place where we are controlling it, right? So there's something artificial that is actively controlling our cycle. So whether it's the pill that suppresses ovulation and basically like takes away your cycle, so it's physically changing you, 
whether it's the IUD, so the hormonal IUD that prevents implantation and sometimes prevents ovulation, but not all the time, um, or whether it's the copper IUD that doesn't prevent ovulation, but implants and pre um, prevents implantation and you know impedes the sperm. So either way, all of these things are externally controlling like I use the word externally, but it's kind of like externally, internally, but you think you know yes, what I mean. Totally um, gotcha. <laughs> but they're controlling. So there's really this idea that we need to control our fertility and that is the only way to prevent pregnancy. So when it comes to fertility awareness, it's not a way to control fertility. It mm. never was. It doesn't control it. You're dancing with it. You're understanding it. Mm. And what you're controlling is your own actions around that. <laughs> but you're never controlling it. Mm. This is a very hard concept. This is one of the most challenging concepts for all of my clients. <laughs> because right. you're not, you're not, this isn't about control. Yeah. It's about just, can you control like nature? Can you control the plant that's growing? No, <laughs> yeah. you can't. So um, a different perspective then on fertility awareness. So when I first um, was sexually active, I had been using um, uh, I had been using the pill for period pain, not for birth control, and the thought of being on the pill actually scared me because I felt like this other thing was controlling my body, and I was always I wasn't always the best to take it at the right time. So I was scared that I would miss mess up, take it too late, an egg would come out, I would get pregnant, and I would have this pregnancy and potentially be taking this pill for like a month and not know because you don't get your you don't get a bleed when you're taking it right so that on the like to turn this whole idea on its head I actually felt like being on the pill was not control I was like this I don't it's this thing it's changing my cycles I don't know what's going on and so I thought okay I'm gonna use condoms <laughs> because for me it was like if my period doesn't come then at least I know that I'm pregnant versus I don't know what's going on with this pill thing right right that Great was a perspective, yeah. Right? Like a very different, and I recognize that that's a very different perspective than most people. And so um, then when I discovered fertility awareness, it was even more because I was planning to just use condoms because when I grew up, condoms were discussed as an effective method of birth control. Somehow that information has now changed. And a lot of women are basically being told that condoms are not effective, which is, I mean, 98% effective, like you said, but I find it to be very interesting how over a generation, all of a sudden the information has changed. Um, so to put that into perspective, with fertility awareness, I think first and foremost, it's helpful to say that there are, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of women who are using fertility awareness who do not want to get pregnant. Mm. So there's this so idea let me that- let clarify, you found fertility awareness as a teenager. A late teen. I was in my first year of university. I started university when I was 17. I was like, you know, yeah. later in the year born. Um, so yeah, I was really young and it was a kind of a serendipitous series of events that led me to fertility awareness. So it was like, okay, I'm going to go off the pill because I had other reasons of going off of it too. But I was just going to use condoms because my biggest fear at that point was missing a pill, getting pregnant and not knowing I was pregnant. Right. So the condom thing, I was like, okay, I can handle this. And then right around that time, I discovered that I'm not fertile every day of the cycle that there's a short window of fertility that I can right. identify. So then I started charting. And so throughout my 20s, I yep. used fertility awareness strictly to avoid pregnancy successfully the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the first, the first challenge is, is, are the myths 
the first challenge is really getting over the idea that we're fertile every day. Mm-hmm. And the way I've started to describe it to my clients is I feel like there's levels of awareness and understanding that we get to. So first of all, well, our culture doesn't teach us this stuff. So we have to take it upon ourselves to learn at that kind of head intellectual level. That involves listening to podcasts like yours and mine, reading books. So um, like my book, The Fifth Vital Sign, Tony Weschler's book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. For a lot of women, those are kind of like the starting points. So you can read and read and read and learn and learn and learn. But at the end of the day, there's a limit to the head knowledge. So then the second level is actually charting. So then you put it into play and you start to see, wow, look at this. I have my period and then I have mucus and then I ovulate and then my temperature goes up and then I get my period, you know, 12 to 14 days later and repeat and repeat and repeat. So charting gives you a deeper level of understanding because now it's not just this theory. You can see the changes yourself. You can see your mucus, you can see your temperatures, you get it. It's still not the same until you are actually using the method. So you can totally be charting and totally believe it. Um, For women who then choose to use this method for birth control, that means they have unprotected sex on their infertile dates and their period comes. (laughs) And then, you know, they do that again and their period comes. And so really the only way to, to, to know that this method works is to take yourself through the stages as you're ready. Um, and the key, I, I would say again, like it's so challenging, um, the topic of abortion, the fear that comes with that. Um, I can talk about specific ways to minimize the fear and restrictive ways of you know, using the method. The, the most important thing is choosing a method, understanding it, understanding the rules and following them. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah. then having that success. And then- So I feel like, I feel like the biggest fear for women after abortion, and I'm just speaking for myself and the women that I've talked to, and there's millions of women I've not talked to and have different fears. Um, But I think that, like I said, there's this, like, we have this faith in this external thing, right? Whether it's uh, hormonal birth control or, you know, IUDs or condoms, whatever it is. and we're sort of nonchalant about that 98% because it seems like such a huge percentage. We're like, that's an A plus, like I'm all in. (laughs) And then when we decide to start having sex again, it's like, how do I do this? Like, it's like, it's almost like going back to being a teenager again. Like it's terrifying in a whole new way, in a whole new reality. And so I think what strikes me most about fertility awareness as a method is that its effectiveness, according to your website and other <laughs> places, is 99.4%. That's, is that correct? It's Am I remembering correct. that right? It's correct. So that it's statistic, so high. yeah, it comes from a study that was done. So the women in the study were taught the symptothermal method. So they were taught to watch their mucus, to match it with their temperature. Um, They were taught by certified instructors, so they knew what they were doing. So that is the perfect use um, uh, example, basically. And uh, so it's, it's biology. Um, what it, it it's basically based on the fact that there is only a short window of fertility each cycle. So scientifically there are 
six days in the cycle where pregnancy is possible. Yep. So from a scientific perspective, uh, sperm can survive up to five days in your cervical fluid and you only make that cervical fluid as you approach ovulation. And outside of that window, your vagina is acidic, the sperm can't survive, your cervix is closed, um, and so there's nowhere for them to go, and there's no egg unless you are ovulating. So um, there is science behind this method, and um, when used correctly, it is highly effective because you can only, if there's only a small window of pregnancy and you don't have sex during that time, then you, you can't actually get pregnant. So when used like a hundred percent, like I'm going to practice this to the T, is there no sex in those six days or is there sex with a barrier method, like with a condom? Well, so that's, that's the, the choice that you make. So technically speaking, if you use a condom during your fertile window, you're using a condom. Right. So now you're <laughs> so down you're relying, to the, yeah. You're relying on the effectiveness of the condom. So when, like, I think the reason that for, so for me, when, when we started the conversation, I mentioned control was what came to mind. And I said that fertility awareness doesn't give you control of your body because you don't have control over when you ovulate. This method doesn't allow you to predict ovulation. It allows you to identify each day whether or not it's fertile. So to put it into perspective as well, we could divide your cycle into two parts. So the pre-ovulatory phase and the post-ovulatory phase. So before ovulation is the only time of the cycle when you can get pregnant. Like that first half is the only time. Um, and it's really only on those days where you have cervical fluid. And the second half of the cycle, there's no possibility of pregnancy. Once you've confirmed ovulation, the egg's dead and gone, like there's, there's no possibility of that. So when I say that, I mean, the fertility awareness method doesn't allow me to control my body, but it gives me control of what I do. Right. And so when you are choosing this method, what it involves are conversations. You have to have conversations with yourself. You have to have conversations with your partner. And between you and your partner, you have to decide how you're going to manage your fertile window. So to put it out there, it just gives the, it, it gives you all of these different options. So some women will choose not to have unprotected sex at all. Um, there are women who, who have had issues with condoms, who have had condoms break, or who have had condoms fail. So there are, you know, like, like you said, everyone has had different experiences. There, so there are women who absolutely just will not have any type of sex, so nothing. Right, right. There are women who will engage only in non-penis and vagina. So, right. you know, um, alternate sex, oral sex, whatever the case, but no penis and vagina during the fertile window. Yeah. There are women who will um, use condoms. There are women who will use withdrawal. There will, are women who will use condoms um, and have their partner withdraw. So he's wearing a condom, and then before he ejaculates, he will withdraw his penis with the condom on. Mm -hmm. So like two methods together. Right, right. There are women who will use um, diaphragms or cervical caps. Yeah. And you use those with a, a vagina-friendly spermicide. And so again, there are some women who will use that with a condom. So two methods. Or use it with withdrawal. Two methods. Um, so I think having this conversation is really important because it, from my perspective and experience, both personally and professionally, is that these it, these are, there are a lot of options and there are a lot of ways that you can manage this. And the first thing that I talk about with my clients when we're having this conversation is actually, where are you on the spectrum of 
you know, zero, no babies. If I got pregnant, I would likely abort to 10. I wanted a baby last month and we're tr actively trying. What I think is important about that conversation is that I encourage my clients to identify where you're at mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. Um, at least where you think you are. The thing that's really hard too is that it's not black and white. You you can switch from a zero to a totally. 10 in a cycle. You can switch from a 10 to a zero in a cycle. You can think you're a zero and then get pregnant and keep the baby. Like right. there's all of these things that can happen. But um, step one, where are you really at honestly? Mm -hmm. um, where is your partner really at honestly? And then being able to use that scale when you're making the choice whether or not to have sex at whatever stage in your cycle. Well, That's yeah. Helpful too. <laughs> well, yeah, because, um, and also there's, there's myths about the method that we got to get over. So yeah. the question would be, why does a method like fertility, like when there's a failure, when someone says that they're using fertility awareness, you notice my wording, when someone says that they're using fertility awareness yeah. and it fails, what was happening there? Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of stories, as you can imagine. Oh, I, um, <laughs> I bet you've heard some really good ones. So... I mean, first and foremost, if you are truly around a zero, like absolutely avoiding pregnancy, then it's really crucial for you to make that decision when you're not, no one's naked. Like, <laughs> yeah, make the decision ahead of time. We talk about that all the time in my work. <laughs> right? No one's naked. How are you going to manage your fertility and what actually yes. works? Because make the decision likes and honor your word, like yeah. then learn well, the skill of doing what you said you would do. But before we even get to honoring your word, be realistic. If your condom, yeah. if your condom, if your partner doesn't like condoms or if you don't like condoms, then you have to have a conversation about it. You know, like, or like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't yeah. just say, we're going to do this if, it, if it's not even effective and whatever. So both part partners yeah. have to collectively decide, you know, what is going to be the best for them, yeah. right? Um, but the other thing is that you really have to understand the method. <laughs> so there's a couple things yeah. that I got to say. Um, with fertility awareness, it is not about controlling your body. You are not able to predict ovulation. It is possible to ovulate earlier or later in any cycle. Yeah. In order to identify whether or not at any day is fertile, pre-ovulatory, you yeah. have to actually check for your cervical fluid. It is okay, say that one more time. <laughs> in order for you, I, I, I may not repeat exact, but in order no, for No, it's you, okay. It's so important. It's just like, it, <laughs> what I heard that I wanted you to repeat was, it is possible to ovulate earlier or later in your cycle. In any, in, <laughs> in any, any cycle. cycle. So even if you, because yes. a lot of women will say, I always, I, I always yeah. my cycle is always 27 yes. days. I always, but the thing about it is that no, it's not. So I, I say this with love, I promise, but no, it's not. Yes. So I have seen thousands, like over the years, right? Thousands of thousands of charts. I have never, ever, ever in my life had a woman whose cycle is exactly the same number of days and ovulation happens exact same day, 12 cycles in a row. Yeah. If that happens to you, please buy a lottery ticket and call us and tell us. <laughs> like it's, I'm basically saying, and even from a, like when you look at the research, um, looking at women throughout their reproductive lives, it is statistically impossible for a woman from her first period to her last one to have the same number of days. Yeah. Like there's fluctuations. So, I'm so the I imagine fluctuations, let's just quickly talk about the fluctuations. I imagine there's nutrition, there's environment, there's stress. There's just, 
being human. And well, yeah, we're not <laughs> so sometimes, yeah, sometimes if you yeah. have a health concern, if you've got some super stressful event, like, yeah. or um, like whether it's a chronic or an acute kind of thing, uh, sure. But even in the absence of any type of stressful situation, we're just human. We're human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so I just wanted to make that clear for people. <laughs> well, yes. And so a couple of things. In a, it is possible to have an early ovulation in the cycle. And when that happens, for example, you could have, you could start making mucus because mucus is when your estrogen is rising. So you could make mucus towards the end of your period, like not on the days that you're like bleeding actively, heavily, um, but on the days where your period's super light or you've got some spotting, like at the tail end, it is possible. So I teach my clients to start checking for mucus as soon as their period starts lightening up. And every method is different. So I'm teaching a certain method, even in taking charge of your fertility, it has different mm. explanations, but this mm -hmm. is why it's important to work with an instructor and yeah. to really start to understand. So, um, I've worked with clients who never had an ovulation before day 15 and then randomly one cycle, they'll ovulate on day 12. So fertility awareness is not the rhythm method. And the most important rule. Ooh, good, good distinction. The first and most important rule is if you're ever in doubt, consider yourself fertile plus a count of three. So mm -hmm. what I lovingly say to my clients, and I know I'm a bit of a joker, but um, what I'll lovingly say in situations like that, when it's like, oh, that's kind of strange. I, I didn't, I saw mucus a little bit earlier. Oh, this is a little bit weird. So pregnant. <laughs> so pregnant <laughs> so if you ever had that situation of like well I only saw a little bit of mucus that one time or you know it's just a little bit of the creamy stuff it wasn't even the egg whites so pregnant all mucus preovulatory you know is fertile and to be honest with you when you're easing back into sex and trying to enjoy yourself and after experiencing a traumatic experience like having an abortion and feeling really uncertain there are different ways to manage fertility awareness that people don't often talk about. Like, you know, everyone is at a different level of comfort. There are women who never have unprotected sex in the preovulatory phase. There are women who use basically temperature only and wait until the temperature rise and only ever have sex post-off. If you're feeling really stressed out, you, I always say like, you don't need to jump face first into the hot tub. Like you can dip a toe in. You can really like take it easy and ease yourself back into it. Build up your confidence. Take the time to actually chart your cycles. Instead of having the pressure on yourself of, of trying to um, navigate through the pre-ovulatory phase, get really comfortable with the post-ovulatory phase first have a no-go in the pre-ovulatory phase until you can actually chart at minimum three to six cycles and start to understand what your typical cycle looks like. A lot of us want to jump right in and, you know, do everything before we've even learned how to chart properly. Yep. Yep. And so how, how do you find most people find you to work with you and figure all this out? Like what, how are people finding you? Um, well, I mean, primarily the podcast has been where a lot of people find me. When I first started it, there was not, I mean, it was, it was a while ago. I feel confident in saying that there were no other fertility awareness podcasts. That's awesome. How long, I I, did I see like episode 300 and something or am I making that up? No, you're not. It's about, this year will be year five. That's amazing. Or year six. I'm trying to remember now. I think it was December 2014. So I guess yeah. that would make this year six. That's awesome. 
So back then there wasn't a whole lot. And then also now through the book and, you know, that's how they primarily find me. Yeah. And is there a particular demographic that you attract, like younger women, older women, already mothers, or are you sort of attracting the whole, the whole spectrum? I typically my kind of audience and client base um, is, you know, usually between late teens, like 18, 19, 20, um, all the way up to say 45 ish. So I do attract younger women who are learning about birth control and really just wanting to not be on it. (laughs) Um, and wanting that other option. I've heard from, um, I had a a recent group program and a lot of the women in the group program were saying like, like, I just felt like I was alone. Like I, I was the only one that was questioning these things. I was having these negative side effects and it really felt like I was the only one. So I do attract women who are kind of like, thank you. It is not right. in my head. There are, yeah. you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands, millions of women who are having problems, you know, with this stuff too, even though their immediate friend circle may not be. Um, and then of, of course, there are also women who discover me all the way through, but mid, you know, when they're in their late thirties, early forties. Um, and that's also a, a bit of a challenge. I mean, I hear so many times I get so many emails. It's like, where were you 20 years ago? Mm. How can I be, you know, 40? I just did, did an interview with a woman who's like, how could I be 43? And I've just started charting. I feel like I've missed it. So yeah. it's, it can be challenging to hear this information at different stages of your life. I always just encourage you to, you know, you can't go back and change anything. We're all doing the best that we can with what we know. And so if you discover it at whatever point, I think it's a great opportunity to be thankful that you did. Yeah. And just to kind of move forward and see what you can do with it. I feel like this is a totally personal question, but I'm going to ask for anyone else who might have it. Do you have any podcasts in particular directed toward like teens, like, like early sex um, or podcasts or, or know of other podcasts or fertility educators who speak directly to teens and fertility awareness? Um, well, I have, I do have one episode. It's one of my early, early ones, mm-hmm. episode 24. Um, and it was called Celebration Day for Girls. So there is huh. a woman, Jane Bennett, who has an entire organization around uh, doing the period parties that you talked about, but doing a lot of <laughs> deepening, uh, deepening into this knowledge at a young age. I I have an episode coming up with a colleague of mine, Chloe Skrlak, who leads uh, amazing workshops for teens about periods. Mm. And I'm often asked this question because people get real thorny and it's like the thought of teaching teens this information. People get really uncomfortable with it. And so I always like to clarify my my perspective just so everyone can, right? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, let me just paint you a picture. I think that'll be helpful. Imagine if when you were a teen before you had your first period that, you know, the caregiver in your life would have told you about cervical fluid and they would have told you that, you know, ovulation is like a superpower. It's how you make your hormones. You can track your different emotions throughout the cycle. And you, you know what I mean? Like put it in a positive light, you might feel more energetic around this time and you might actually feel more like being by yourself around this time. And, uh, you know, cervical fluid is totally normal and healthy. It looks like raw egg whites. And even before you get your first period, you're going to ovulate first. So I want you to start, you know, paying attention when you go to the bathroom. And if you ever see this fluid, come and talk to me um, because we can plan for your first period. And then imagine if you 
had had that knowledge. And imagine if you had mm. seen your cervical fluid and you could have been like, oh my gosh, mom, uh, I see my cervical it. fluid. Does that mean I'm ovulating? And imagine if you could have been like at school ready with your menstrual products in tow, knowing <laughs> that your period was coming. So this is why <laughs> it is important to educate young women about fertility awareness. Yeah. Everything isn't about sex. Let's take a pause. Yeah. The menstrual cycle is a sign of health. You know, I, it's not, I didn't make up the term, but I did title the book The Fifth Vital Sign for a reason. How empowering is it for us to understand how, about our cycles and how they work? And, you know, I believe that the appropriate birth control method for teenagers is condoms. I actually, <laughs> I think that well, we've condoms been, are important. I mean, yeah, we've been around the, you know, around the birth control scene um, in our house and landed on condoms. And I keep just, we just keep talking about fertility awareness uh, along with it. But yeah, it, it, it was, it was a long, complicated journey that I'm not going to share details of. Um, But I, I just think it'd be so amazing if we were learning this stuff earlier and earlier and earlier. I, I talk, I'm really open with my girls, um, but I haven't, I did not talk to them about noticing their fluid before they got their first periods. Like, I just didn't think of that. That's genius. Right? Well, (laughs) and and imagine, because when you're a teenage girl, like from what I remember as a teenage girl, it was the most horrifying and scary thought, unfortunately, um, to get your period and to have people know about that. And I mean, I also have obviously a lot of opinions in this area, but I think imagine if our education system, instead of separating the boys and the girls and all that, what if we just put smaller groups of boys and girls and had a conversation about, like took the pads and the the tampons and all the menstrual products, pulled them out in front of the boys and said, welcome to life. This, we're going to talk about periods today. In our school, we have a zero tolerance policy for any type of foolishness around periods. We're all here because of periods. If your mom didn't have periods, none of you would be alive. So let's talk about how to respect everybody in this. Yeah. Right? I feel yeah. like I have I, this whole thing. I <laughs> On another podcast episode, I forget which one it was, but I had, I, I had just come from a presentation my daughter did about birth control and abortion in her school. And I was noting how some of the middle school boys knew more about birth control than I did. I was just like, this is amazing. This is that so is amazing. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. One other thing, sorry, one other thing that came to mind in terms of actual birth control. um, I mean, there is, you know, a challenge with having condoms be the only recommended, uh, like I am really pro-condom, but obviously we want to empower women to have the ability to do something to, to control the fertility. So I think um, it may not be an easy conversation and everyone has different opinions about it, but there are barrier methods that women can have, you know, that we can use diaphragms and cervical caps in con- conjunction with condoms, providing that additional, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Just, it doesn't have to be hormonal. Yeah. Um, and if you include fertility awareness knowledge into that, that gives us as women just so much more power. So much power. And one other thing that I think is really important because we're talking about abortion and how to kind of recover that feeling of, um, just empowerment, how to enjoy sex and how to not feel terrified um, every time you have sex is also if you understand your cycle and you understand which days are fertile, 
if you use if you're using a barrier method or if you're using something if you're using withdrawal and it fails your partner doesn't withdraw or the condom breaks um knowing about the cycle i have um you know clients friends colleagues who are actively avoiding who will talk about having um you know plan b ella at right. the ready like having it actually having a prescription on standby and then if yeah. you do have something like that happen and if if it's if the condom breaks and you're not in your fertile window then you don't have to use it and you know you weren't in your fertile window right <laughs> but you would know that whereas if you mm -hmm. if you're not charting you wouldn't know and you yeah. potentially use it when you don't need to but if you if you do have the condom break or whatever and you are in the fertile window <sighs> it's okay yeah. Yeah. because you can so much power right and this is yeah. this is a different way of looking at it. you're not controlling your body your body yeah. is wild and free and doing its thing but you're able to then understand it and make informed decisions throughout this whole even if even if the condom breaks you can still yeah. have that power yeah oh, there's so many things i want to say i have like so many notes here i probably won't even get to um one just super quickly is i've been amazed watching my girls go through they're getting their periods and now years in and the, the, um, being so in awe of the apps and like it, those have brought so much knowledge and so much empowerment to women, these young women that I've seen. And I think that's incredible. I wish that we had had that. That's amazing. Um, but what I keep seeing the whole time you've been talking and like, I took a note on it a long time ago is this like scale, right? And there's like, love and empowerment on one side and there's fear and control on the other side right <laughs> and it's like and it's just where are you on that and to me fertility awareness is so much love and empowerment and the birth control methods are so much fear and control um and so it is just it's it's really beautiful to get to know your body in this way to be able to have conversations with other women in this way right that alone is like so healing to be able to talk to other women whether it's um an educator like yourself or a group of women or anyone really like send me a message let's talk about your periods and your fluids <laughs> yeah. but it's yeah that's just like been this clear visual i've had this whole conversation um, well and some kind of it's almost, it's like uncharted territory. Are we even allowed to talk about it type of stuff? But where does all of that fear come from, right? Um, what would the world look like if we supported young mothers so that an unplanned pregnancy didn't destroy anyone's life? Yeah. I mean, there are very real reasons why a pregnancy causes so much stress and I mean I live in Canada so in the country I live in we have um, maternity leave if you have a if you're working you know um, and I'm not it's not perfect or anything but what I'm saying is you know over the years especially a lot of my clients are American and you know it, it, it has come to my attention that for many women a pregnancy would not only mean you know whatever comes with having a baby and and, and you know potentially losing your job but potentially having a $35,000 bill for a cesarean section or something yeah, like that lovely. after you're done. So it's, you know, not only, <laughs> so this, <laughs> I mean, I know that, it, but I think it's important for us to imagine 
a better world. And, yeah. and this is part of what you were talking about with the fear and control versus the love. So yeah. I think that it's important to put out there that, I mean, I'm not saying that, I'm not, I'm not really saying anything other than posing the question of what would be different if our society actually supported women. There's a reason why, yeah. um, as women, we're so terrified yeah. of our fertility. And um, I do think it's important to dance with this. The reason why I talk about that scale, the attention scale, zero to 10, is because um, there are times when the external situations of your life are different from the desires of your heart. Yeah. There's times when you oh, so actually yeah. want to have a baby. Mm-hmm, but it's not the right so time. badly too, yeah. but yeah. you won't even allow yourself to acknowledge that out loud because you know, you, you haven't got the job, the situation, I would lose my, like yeah. all of that is there. And so having those conversations with yourself and getting to that deeper level is important because you can say that you don't want to get pregnant, but then if you underlying do your heart does that's when you get into a situation where you have sex on a fertile day (laughs) and get pregnant and blame the method and so again this is that kind of underlying like the work that I do as you can tell I mean it brings us to a different sense of um I suppose a different level of our intuition like we really yeah it allows it opens it up and you're not you're not on hormones so you're like you're more you yeah you you know your 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 sexuality deepens your connection to that your connection to all of these things your connection to your deeper desires and so it's it's so important to have these conversations with yourself um if you're feeling fear if there's a lot of fear around pregnancy and fertility as hard as it may be it may be time for you to go into that because if you don't know the source of the fear this method is user dependent. It is up to you. (laughs) And whether you are conscious or not about any kind of dissonance between what you're saying and what you feel. um, I I mean, I've seen, I, I could, it's the, I've seen a lot over the years. So um, it's really important that we get clear on our intentions. And if there is fear, to really deepen into what that's really about, at least so that you can put it out. And to use it as an opportunity, right? Because any opportunity you take to explore what you're feeling and why you get to apply to all the other parts of your life. Um, It's just a, it's a way to go in and to, I, I love how you mentioned intuition because when you, when you delve into any of these waters of understanding your, your body and your cycles and your emotions and your sight, you're not, you're, flow right you're opening and making room for deep intuition that's so blocked off in most of the world um one thing we didn't talk about and i do not want to get into a major conversation about it um because we've been on for so long is um of course when we're talking about preventing stds this is we're not we're in a whole different category of maintaining fertility awareness. And in that case, you're really looking at barrier methods, particularly condoms. (laughs) Um, Is there anything you want to add to that? I just, I was like, there's going to be people who are like, you didn't even talk about STDs and there's other reasons you use barrier methods. Like, yes, we know that we're well aware of that. We're having a conversation out sort of outside of that, you know, conversation. Yeah. I mean, I usually, when I, when I'm having these conversations, even when I'm having 
the conversations like on my own podcasts and with clients. I mean, it really depends on the context. So as I, when, it, and, and this is why I stress that it's important for you and your partner to come up with what is going to work best for you. So if you are, um, if you're not in a serious relationship and, and you have different partners, you know, it, it's really up to you to sort out that risk. Obviously fertility awareness, nor, you know, doesn't protect you from STIs, nor does uh, um, like a cervical cap or something like that. Right. Um, or the pill. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's 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 yeah. the other thing because right. everyone wants. If anyone wants to jump in and be like, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. are millions of educators. Totally, I just wanted to go on the pill and and <laughs> condoms. All of a sudden, no one yeah, talks yeah, about yeah. them, and I'm just like, how is it okay to have teenage girls on the pill and having unprotected sex? When did that become okay? Yeah, exactly. To promote that. Yeah, I just wanted. I was like, I just had to say this out loud so we can be clear that we this. We are aware that this is, you know, a separate issue. There's many layers to reproductive and sexual health. And yeah. that is that is another layer. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, so many things that we could talk, we could probably have three more episodes about this. Um, but thank you so much. Um, we will do all the linking up to get to your website. But it is fertil isn't it simple? Fertilityfriday.com. That's right. Yeah. yeah, perfect. So we'll get everybody linked up and connected. Is there anything you feel called to share before we before we wrap up here? Um, we covered a lot, so there doesn't have to be. But I don't want to leave you hanging if you're like, I just want to say. <laughs> well, there was a thought that came to mind. Of course, there's always lots of thoughts, but I think the world wants us to believe that this conversation around when to become pregnant is black and white. And the world wants us to believe that we're either a zero or a 10 at all times. Yeah. And we either want it or we don't. And there's no gray area. There's no middle ground. Yeah. Um, but becoming a parent is, is scary. And, uh, and when you don't have the knowledge around fertility and all that, it, it's, it's even worse. So I think, um, if anything, I would just want to say, like, keep this conversation going. Keep it going with yourself. Um, you know, ask yourself where you're really at. Face, you know, address, like, look, if you're feeling fear, look at why that is and, and really deepen into that. And continue having that conversation um, on a regular basis. And if you, um, I suppose another thing that isn't talked about and it's kind of taboo as well is, if you did have an abortion and had conflicted feelings about it because you really were like, okay, I'm a zero, no babies. And then you had an ab the abortion and, and you feel a whole overwhelming feelings yes. around it. I make the right choice. Yep. Maybe I did want the baby. What would, you know, like this is real stuff and yep. you're allowed to have those feelings. Uh, certainly seek support from friends, family, or anything else. It's really normal and it's not black and white. And yeah. This is the stuff no one talks about. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is, I feel like that is the whole premise of what I do. Let's talk about the gray area. Yeah. Oh, so important. Really, really appreciate this. And um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, definitely go read her book, um, listen to the podcast, and let's all stay connected. Thanks again for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. 
If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.